Welcome, welcome. This is Micah Logan, and we're back for another live broadcast, and we have a good one for you today. Um, I have brought in the virtual studio, Mr. George Paul III. He is a branding strategy expert. Um, he has uh, founded several companies that are specifically about branding. Um, the, the most recent one is Seize the Brand, but before that, he founded Cherish Keepsakes, which is a company that honors the legacy of families and funeral homes through their award-winning memorial keepsakes. Um, he also runs a blog called Seize the Brand, where he discusses how funeral homes can leverage branding strategy and marketing to stand out in their local communities and continue the legacy they built with their funeral home. And uh, he'll be launching uh, very soon Seize the Brand podcast, which is he plans to lift the veil of secrecy in the funeral home industry, sharing tips and tactics, success stories, and more from funeral industry professionals. Make no mistake, though, this specific podcast, this show, this live is about branding. And so um, George is a branding expert. So we don't want him to get, I don't want you thinking, but it's all about the death industry with this guy. No, he knows branding, but he's choosing to step into the death industry. And he's, he's done so successfully. So George, welcome to the live. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Always um, nice being here. Chewing the cud with you. Yeah, man, that's what we do. We chew the cud. Um, but, um, you know, honestly, you know, for me, branding is uh, is an important topic to talk about when it comes to um, businesses in general. Everyone talks about branding. My brand, your brand, our brand, the brand, you know, what that means. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people say this and they don't really know exactly what it is. Um, so in from from your own personal experience, in your own definition, what do you consider a brand? What is branding? I guess for lack of a better term, it's it's really the the reputation of your business. And then that brand or that reputation can be captured in a symbol which is your brand mark or your logo of your business. So when people see that logo, it's going to engender a specific feeling. And that feeling is going to make them want to do business with you or not. And that means you can control so much of the experience and so much of the feeling that that person has. And that's why branding is important, but it also branding goes beyond just, you know, having the logo of your company, but it really encompasses all the different aspects of your business as you deliver the promise that you make. Yeah. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm assuming the, um, basically etymology of the word branding comes from, um, the literal brands that were put on like livestock or, or the concept of branding something permanently, um, with a mark that uh, attaches um, an identifier with the specific object of that permanent mark. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, and you could go back even before that, um, you know, which was kind of a little bit of the inspiration behind uh, Caesar brand, at least uh, is signet rings, you know, the signet ring, you think back in the day, how do you make a document authentic? How do you know that this is an official from uh, royalty? Well, you had, you know, the signet ring <laughs> and what they would do is they would put that, you know, the wax on the, the letter and then they would literally put the impression, the brand into 
the wax seal. And when people saw those characters and those symbols together, they knew that this was something official. They had to follow it. And so it gave a certain level of protection, a certain level of authority. And that's what a brand does, that when you do it right and you're creating your business on the proper foundation and really treating it as, you know, it's larger than what it really is. And you have a good, strong brand mark that can grow with you as you grow. Well, people just like, you know, the old signet rings and the old wax seals and so forth will treat that seriously, treat you with authority and really look forward to doing business with you. Awesome. So, um, you know, when I think about branding and people's um, perceptions of what a brand um, is, I feel like timing is always an issue with this. Like, for instance, I think there were times when people want this logo, they want this representation of what they want their business to be, maybe if they're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, but they kind of put the cart before the horse. And, you know, one of the things that you said earlier, and that we'll dig into, I'm sure, more so, is that branding has a lot to do with the all-encompassing aspects of what you provide for the general public um, and not just, you know, like your logo. It's a comprehensive global extraction of what the what the company represents. So it's your systems and processes, how you interact with the public, how you interface with them, what they perceive their experiences. And then, of course, that's tied together with the logo. My question is, does small business start with the logo, therefore um, the business owner deriving purpose from that logo and then forwarding the business? Or is it something that comes actually after the work is done and, and they know what, the, what they're offering and, what's, and what exactly down to the high level of detail that they want the public to know about them? I think it's actually both. Um, you know, in, in a perfect world, you'd start with the, the brand mark, building that. But I guess even before that, it's really kind of the why. I mean, you've talked about it on, on the show before. You know, what is your why? Why are you getting started? Why are you uh, looking to run your business? You know, and that should be something beyond just looking to make money, but to have a purpose and trying to impact those whom you're serving and really raise the value and enrich their lives. When you have that and you know that why, you can then create a brand mark that encompasses that so that when people are looking at the feelings and, or looking at your mark, then it's leaving a, um, it's leaving a basic, you know, that impression they are seeing it and they're getting the feelings that they're looking for when they see your mark and then want to say, this is a place that's going to do what I'm looking for. And so you have to have that first. And then you can build the brand behind, around that, you know, but a lot of people will actually start without creating a logo or they'll just create something, you know, that they feel will kind of capture that, you know, because the reality is, is you don't need like a, a fancy logo or, or anything to start a business. And there's plenty of businesses that have horrible logos and, you know, horrible brands, but they still are a successful business. But the ones that are strongest, the ones that are most memorable give branding and strategy the same 
importance as they would their operations and their equipment and everything else. So I definitely would say, just like uh, you were talking about having that why and then starting with uh, building the brand that encompasses that why, it visualizes it. And so there, so, you know, in the many iterations of my business, well, my, I, I, I haven't really had a f- many iterations of the business cause I've pretty much always known what I've wanted to do. Um, but, um, you know, is their thought should be their thought be given to whether or not this is going to be a local regional or national brand? Um, I think you should treat it. You should, your thought process should be, I'm going to build it national. And because the thought process that you're going to have when you're trying to build a national brand is going to be completely different than local because you have to treat it and view it a certain way and take it more seriously uh, reality wise. Because if you look at yourself and treat yourself, well, I'm only going to be this local entity well, then you won't treat it seriously. You just say, oh, I'm just a little guy here. I'm just a small guy. And, you know, this isn't as important. But if you treat your business as if I'm going to be a national presence, you're going to say we have to do certain things at such a higher level and you're going to approach it from that standpoint. And when you do that, you can get there and scale faster and then you can choose your stopping point rather than your mindset stopping you before that. Okay. So uh, how does a person think nationally on a local level when they haven't even nailed down all the aspects of their business that um, to succeed locally? Well, it's the same thing that you, you know, we've always talked about before and you talk about in the show with systems. I mean, for me, when I came off um, my business failing, And it was, uh, you know, I had my design studio and I had that small mentality. I'm just going to be a local presence. And I wasn't doing the things properly that I needed to do. And it eventually just failed. And Mm -hmm. I learned from those things. And I said, well, I'm going to build something bigger. And from that point, I immediately started creating systems Mm -hmm. because I knew in order for me to be able to deliver what I was going to eventually build with Cherish Keepsakes on a national scale, I had to have systems in place to do that so that I could deliver the same experience, the same result every single time. So it really starts with what are the systems that you need to create to build a national presence, even if you're going to be a local entity? Because the reality is, is what if you grow so much that you want to open up a second location locally? Mm-hmm. But well, that is going to have to run on certain systems in order to deliver the same experience that you are in your primary location. And so you have to have those systems right away. Was it when I pissed you off when I told you that to get a job? (laughs) (laughs) I think, no, no, it wasn't that. Uh, I I remember that conversation uh, where, oh my goodness, you were talking. I think you were mad for like a week, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you said something like, you know, tell like people, I'll buy, tell the, I'll buy the business. You were like, I'll buy your business and I'll just pay you 500 a week. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but tell, but tell, the, tell the people listening why we had that conversation. Oh, man. I, th- I was probably moaning, just like c- complaining and lamenting that 
I wasn't where I wanted to be, even though I knew my impact. Like, cause the thing about it is like, you know, we've always known the value of what we've done very at a very early stage in our, in our careers. You know, the problem was that, you know, our value was here, but you know, our price points were not, were, were here. We're trying to get to that point. And, you know, really mine's was slower moving than yours. And I was just lamenting that. And, you know, you have that, you know, that experience and just like, you know what, if you're lamenting this and you don't feel this is for you, I'll buy your business because you already knew the value of it. And just like, I'll pay you a salary. I'm like, what? <laughs> Screw you. I can do it myself. <laughs> I have never you know, seen so, George so that rebel more mad came than, out. Uh, than that week. And then, hey, but that, that forced, that forced you into like, um, like a whole pattern of like business planning and reevaluating a lot of stuff. So that was good. And that's what you need yeah. to do. Like when you, when you're trying to figure out what direction you need to go and what systems and levers to pull in your business to make it successful, you know, to have someone unsettle you or rattle your cage or just tell you that, um, it really does help kind of bring, snap you back to reality. And, um, you know, I was actually proud of your efforts rebounding because like, I think the next year you had like your best revenue year. Yeah, it, it definitely continued to grow up. I remember um, being in a, in a meeting with, uh, was it with you and with Lance? I think Jonathan might have been, was there too. And I had this small revenue goal, you know, with Cherish Keepsakes, because that, that was, uh, I was trying to build Cherish Keepsakes and had this small revenue goal. And you guys were like, what? <laughs> like, this is supposed to fund your life and that's all you want to make from it. And, yeah. you know, it really helped to change my thinking and just continue to grow up from there. Oh, yeah. Like, because we were coming out with like, oh, a million and then five million. And you're like, yeah, I'll take 80 grand and a stick of gum. And we're like, what? <laughs> um, so anyway, anyways, so like getting back to branding, um, I feel like why is it that is there too much noise in the environment about branding? from people who don't fully understand it right now on Instagram and YouTube and the Twitterverse and everyone's a brand and you're a brand and we're all brands. And it's like Oprah's show. Everyone gets a brand. Like, <laughs> is there too much noise out there about branding and not enough sophisticated thought about what branding actually is? I don't think it's that. I think people confuse branding and marketing. Because they they overlap so much, mm -hmm. one feeds the other, that when people start talking about your brand, they then start talking about marketing tactics, yep. when that's really not what the branding is about. And so that creates the confusion that a lot of people think about. They say, I'll, I got to do branding, and then they go hire a marketing agency, or they go hire somebody who says they specialize in social media marketing or something like that. When the reality is, is that marketing is what gets you in the door. That's what creates the opportunities, gives a person a chance to do business with you. But it's your branding, the systems that deliver the promise that your marketing has pitched you can make will keep them behind that door once they've gone through. And those are two completely different things. Yeah. And, you know, of course, there are two things that need to happen. Um, I had a, a podcast um, about, you know, intelligent marketing um, with uh, G. Renashina from Kex, uh, uh, Kex, Kexino. Um, and um, it, it was one of my favorite ones because we were talking about how 
a lot of marketing firms, okay, so they market, but they don't do anything else. You know, like they have this ability to create good social media marketing campaigns and maybe they understand it, Facebook or Google analytics, but you know, they don't know how to convert that into systems on the back end and help you to increase your scalability with um, the leads that they actually generate because they're, because you can have several problems at one time, right? So one problem you can have is that you're not gener generating enough leads. Fair enough. But you, you may have systems how to deal with them when they come in. But another problem is, is that you may not have that infrastructure that is required after you get the leads. So just because you, you don't have enough leads doesn't mean that, um, the leads that you're getting aren't sufficient to drive business because you may have infrastructure problems. When I say infrastructure problems, I mean the lack of systems or processes in place, repeatable steps. When a person comes in after they sign up to turn them into a new customer and then a recurring customer, and then, um, to, to get them to pay on a regular basis. Right. So, um, I think it's important for us to kind of talk about that piece. Why do you think that marketing firms, don't value the back end of that process as much as the front end. Probably because it's part of their job, but not part of their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, I realized that and it's kind of similar with part of the things that I realized with when I was running my studio, my design studio um, first yep. is, you know, I'm building these really nice logos, these really nice brands for um, the companies. And then they're going out of business. And when I'm looking at it and talking with them more, seeing what's happening and what's going on, I'm realizing that they don't have the things in place to deliver on the promise that I've built for them and visualize for them. Yep. And so I had to completely change my approach. And that's where the strategy started to come in. You know, you'll have a marketing agency, you'll have, you know, a graphic designer and someone will say, I need a logo, I need a marketing plan. And they just go to work building that based on what they know will work and generate leads. But they're not asking the other question, why do you need it? Do you have the things in place to convert and keep people once I do my job? You know, and that's why a lot of people will get they get frustrated and they get, you know, upset, like at, at the marketers and even at, at us as designers. And they're saying, well, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working when they don't have the other things in place to make it work? You know, they're you know, I remember talking with a, a friend and they, you know, his client had basically was considering like stopping their their um, marketing campaign or they, they either did or they were considering it. They were having this conversation and he asked him, well, are your phones ringing? He's like, yeah, they're ringing off the hook. And, you know, do you get people coming in and inquiring? Yeah, we get them all the time. And, you know, so why do you want to stop? He's like, well, they're not converting. You know, I'm not getting any sales, but you've you've charged me with getting you the leads. You have the leads, right? Yes. But that's where he stops. But, you know, a higher agency, you know, an agency that operates at a higher level knows that there's another component that they have to examine and make sure is right to make sure that their job is going on. Because if they can't convert 
and can't continue to get the business, then they're going to stop the marketing and nobody wins. And people are upset because they're, they're saying it's not working when the reality is, is that it is, but they're not doing, they don't have the infrastructure and the back systems in place to make sure it stays working. The other issue too, I noticed is that a lot of marketing firms are just not really good at business coaching piece, the systems and processes. And, and I wonder if this is a um, fear of, for whatever reason, um, you know, a lot of people have scarcity mindsets out there and, you know, maybe probably more solopreneur marketing individuals, but not necessarily marketing firms, but the fact that they don't recommend business coaches more is astonishing to me. Um, to yeah. Help, help people, you know, grow their brand. Like, so we do business coaching, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I'm not interested, like, I know, um, you know, I'm pretty sophisticated when it comes to marketing, but there are people who are experts in marketing. Um, but I'm, you know, an expert in systems and processes building, organ you know, operational building, things like that. So I'm wondering why there's not more um, of a collaboration between sophisticated business coaches that have proved their mettle and marketing firms that know and understand that this is really the second act of what they're trying to do for this brand, um, but they're just not suggesting it. It's almost like a dereliction of duty. I think it kind of boils down to cost. You know, the thing about it is once you get to a certain point, you realize that you're going to have to invest in your success. You know, if you want to, you know, generate six figures from a marketing plan, then you have to realize that it's going to cost maybe one tenth of that 10 grand to generate that six figures. But people don't realize that cost or they're not prepared to pay it. And it's only when you get to a certain point in your business that you understand the value of investing in your marketing plan, investing in your brand, investing in your success. And when you're dealing with, you know, a marketing agency that says they're going to charge you maybe $150 a month to do your plan, and then they come to you and say, well, you need some business coaching or you need this other higher level stuff which is going to cost maybe more than what they're charging, then it's like, what? Like, then you then they start to question your methods and question you to say, you know, you're just out there to fleece me for money and you're not doing what's in my best interest. Now, it changes the dynamic of the interaction. And I think that's really what it is, is that there's a higher cost for it. And because of that higher cost, that people aren't prepared to pay that and invest in the success of their business. But isn't it, whether it's uncomfortable or a person disagrees with it or they can't pay it, isn't it still incumbent upon the agency to say it? Yeah, but I think maybe the the higher level agencies will have that conversation right off the bat. You know, they're going to have that before they even uh, begin the engagement. Let me stop you there real quick. Isn't that why, why they're one of the higher level agencies? Oh, of course, because they're asking the questions that need to be asked. So now then if a, if a, if a marketer wants to go from solopreneur to a marketing firm and become a higher agency, don't they have to have that conversation? What do you mean? You, are you talking about the actual, um, 
business themselves and who they're contracting or the contractor themselves scaling themselves up? So to become trustworthy, there's like psychologically there's pain involved to becoming trustworthy because you have to prove your metal to someone else oftentimes. Yeah. And oftentimes you're proving your metal during distress times, but you're also willing to have co- like the level of deep conversation that other people aren't. And it's uncomfortable and it maybe it's unpleasant, but trust comes with that interaction oftentimes because you're, you're engaging in a way with the person that the general public is not willing to engage you with, engage with you. And yeah. so if you're trying to build trust, the, the actual, the opposite is true, right? Is you become more uh, willing to say things that people aren't willing to say. And you have these more poignant conversations about how an individual can succeed and what they're not doing in their business to help them get to the next level. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, but that's the marketer's job, you know, or the brand or the agency's job to continue their own um, personal development, their own continuing education so that they can raise the value of what, you know, they're offering. Um, and with that, that might be, a, and, and it might end up changing their, who their target audience is because now they're moving beyond a certain price point. I mean, I had to do that. You know, I'm looking at all these, you know, businesses. And I mean, when you first came to me, when I first started my career and you said I wanted a logo, you know, I would just say, you know, who are your competitors? What are you looking for? What are you not looking for? Go away for a period of time and start working on a logo and just here it is. But now you come to me and say, I'm looking for a logo. Well, actually, I'm not doing um, client work anymore, but at least when I when I was, I wouldn't even start doing that. I, you know, my question was, why? Why do you need it? What's going on with your business? What are your goals? What are your plans? So I can make sure that what I'm building you is going to get you there. And more importantly, that you have the systems in place to back up what I'm doing. And but I didn't get that right away. I got that through my own continuing education, my own personal development. And as I was doing all of that and seeing the importance of the strategy and the business side of things, and I realized that I had to incorporate this into my practice in order for me to do my job properly and maybe even ethically. Yeah. All right. So what I want to do now is I want to step you through. um, We're going to watch. um, This is the future. Um, who he's a branding expert, makes a lot of money in branding. Um, I know it's one of the people that you, um, you follow, um, and they're talking about branding. Um, this is about three minutes and 50 seconds or so, but what I want to do is I want to take a look at this. I want to kind of, we're going to start, start it and stop it and just kind of get your thoughts on it and see, I'm going to see if you, you agree with it or you don't agree with it, what they're saying, or, you know, if there's something that you want to add to it, because, I think this level of analysis is important when we're talking to small business owners uh, and help them kind of understand what, what some of these concepts actually are and why it's important. And then we can kind of continue on with our discussion. The term branding, people use it interchangeably with logo design, identity design, mm-hmm. or even sometimes typography. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to set the record straight. I, I, I know you're the best person to tell us, what is branding, Marty? Yeah. So let's start with what branding isn't. Okay. It's because it's not a lot of things people say it is. It's not a logo. Okay. A logo is a very useful tool for a business, but it's not the brand. It's a symbol 
for the brand. A brand is not a product. So when people talk about this brand, buying this brand or that brand, they're really talking about buying one product or another product. The brand is not that. Uh, people say the brand is a promise the company makes to mm -hmm. customers. And there's some truth in that. Yep. I mean, it, it does end up acting as a promise, but that's not what it is either. So let's talk about this right here. So first he says the brand is not a logo. But Absolutely. You, you, well, part of your statement earlier kind of disagree with that a little bit, though, because you rolled the logo into the brand in our initial opening conversation. Well, it's a part of it. I mean, the thing about it is, I mean, you think about like a, an iceberg. You know, mm -hmm. what they say is, you know, 10% of the iceberg is only on the surface and 90% is below. You know, at the, at the tip of that iceberg, you know, you would have the logo. But everything else that creates that brand, you know, your systems, your business goals, you know, your staffing, uh, your collateral, your website, your marketing, all of that kind of builds up into what becomes captured as your logo. But all of it, just like the iceberg, is the brand. And so it's all of those things. But basically, you know, when you pull it all together, it becomes captured in that logo, but it, it is not. The, Do you have any critique itself. about what was in, said so far in the video? No, I wouldn't. Cause the thing about it is literally Marty Newmar, he's, he wrote the book on branding and it's, it's actually, you know, I've watched these and use, use these myself and in my own personal development and career development, just for me to even understand, you know, what branding is. I mean, what Marty's saying here, is the same thing that Sigi Aviv, you know, of uh, Shermeyer, Geismar, and Haviv, you know, say. And, and they basically build brand. They, I mean, that's their sole business is just designing logos for companies. When we're talking like Fortune 500 companies, I mean, they're both saying the same thing. And these are like the founders and the pioneers of, of uh, brand design and logo design. So no dissent right now um, with what they have to say. Now you're starting a blog, which means that you're going to be a thought leader uh, in this space. Um, and so, um, do you have have you have you of the I guess couple decades now that you've done this, um, have you thought comprehensively about what a brand is in your own right? I mean, I think what the brand is. It's all of those things. Everything that makes your business what it is, is your brand. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand and give and make sure you're paying attention to every aspect of that influences the experience that people have when they do business with you. Because, you know, branding is about solving, solving a problem, but also satisfying an emotional need. You know, somebody has an emotional need that they need satisfied. That's all psychographics and, you know, feeling wise and in the heart rather than in the head. And, you know, that's why, you know, good, good designers, good branding agencies can can really influence that. But you have to really understand how those things play into it. Just like I was saying before about knowing, having a full picture of a business so that you can build the brand. You know, what if a company comes to you, you know, a restaurant and they say, I need a new logo and you go and just build a new logo. That's nice. And they're like, well, it's not giving me new business or anything like that. And then all of a sudden you find out later, well, in the middle of uh, 
in the middle of dinner service, a rat ran through the dining room kitchen. I mean, the, mm-hmm. through the dining room, you know, and everyone just ran out the door. Well, that's helpful to know because then the real solution is not doing a new logo, but is reinforcing the brand through other areas. And perhaps as you're talking about the strategy, then it might say, well, maybe we need a new logo to show that we're not the same business that we were before. But all that really comes from the strategy and understanding the other aspects that are the behind the scenes part that people don't see that you might need to fix in order to make sure you're delivering on the the promise that you're making. All right, cool. Let's press on. Uh, Advertising people like to say, well, it's the sum of all the impressions that a company makes on an audience. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're trying to sell a lot of impressions, I can see where that might be useful to you. But from a business's point of view, why do they want that? (laughs) So, and how does that help uh, creative people understand what they're doing? So, um, uh, none of those things are really uh, what what branding is. A brand is a result. It's it's a customer's gut feeling about a product, a service, or a company. It ends up in their heads, in their hearts. They take whatever raw materials you throw at them, and they make something out of it. I, th- I think I feel like that's interesting. Interesting statement that a brand is a uh, it's a gut feeling that someone has because that's a- that's an abstract thought, isn't it? It's not really objective. Well, in a sense, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like I said earlier, with you know reputations, I use a different term. I mean, uh, Marty had said you know a gut feeling, but let's say you have somebody in your neighborhood you know is a bad seed. You know, a person's maybe in and out of jail, like they're just a troublemaker. You say their name and or let us say like your kid was going to go hang out with them. Like I'm going to hang out with John. You're like you get an immediate reaction, a gut feeling to say, do not hang with them. Do not go around him. (laughs) You know, if I sketch you with him, there's going to be some trouble or something like that. You know, that's a gut feeling. But it also is in the same thing. You know, another term for it's the reputation. John has created for himself because of his actions. Well, that's the same thing with a business, with a brand. You know, when you see, when you hear that name of the company, it's going to give a a visceral response. That response is going to be either good or bad. You want it to be good because then you're going to get business, but if it's bad, you're not going to get business. So it, it can be abstract, but that's really the nuance. You know, what's interesting to me is understand. that they don't. What he doesn't say is that it motivates you to buy. Well, he, it would naturally. He says, he says it it motivates you to feel, but it doesn't motivate you to buy necessarily. I think there's well, the a feeling, I, I think there's a distinction there though, because I don't think so. Because the feeling is going to be, it's you're going to create that feeling, but then when you want that feeling satisfied, then you're going to buy or you interact. Know, it, you, you may not necessarily have to buy. Yeah. Well, you find out more because that may not lead up to it because you need a certain number of, you know, a certain number of impressions, which is still a part of your brand. It's not the brand, but, you know, ah. it's all the different stages getting to those impressions. I mean, those are the touch points. So, right. you know, so now you get we get into the science of branding. Yeah. Right here. Because this is what people, and this is goes to my earlier point about what people don't know when they start businesses. They want to be perceived as a certain way. 
The problem with trying to be perceived a certain way is that you come off as manipulative. You come off as like the oftentimes as the opposite of what you truly actually are. Or if you're not and, genuine with it. And so there's this term that people have been banding about recently, authenticity and authentic self. I think that's a load of crap. I think that you just need to be, just be who you are. I mean, I don't know if that's authentic or not. I just think it's just like, we all are individual people. We bring different things to the table. Um, and um, if whether you want to call it authentic, fine. But we all have personal brands. When you're trying to put on something different than than what than what you actually are, then now you're being manipulative. You're you're manipulating the market, and I feel like people can sense that now because we have things that expose other things like Instagram and Facebook, and like if one thing is off, then people can see it. Like yeah, you're I mean, riding around on a down. G7 jet all across the world. And then at one time you drop, you, you hop into your Toyota and you flash the Toyota symbol on the steering wheel and people catch you on Instagram. You know, now we live in the rewind age, clip, print, turn it into a meme, you know? Yeah. It's like, the, it's like that, that defense, like the guy in Detroit, um, like this defensive guy, I guess, like he teaches self-defense. Oh, you talk about the one where he was, he's trying to show like how to stop someone. Yeah, probably again, so, the guy just backs up and pops him three times. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, so I'm not sure if he started it out as satire, but that's really what it's become for the most mm -hmm. part. Because people are like, well, I can't. We can't see these. The whole point of the memes are like this strategy doesn't work actually work in real life. Yeah. So yeah. if he didn't I mean, try to become sure. if he didn't try to become a meme, or if he was trying to manipulate his status and his ability in the marketplace, then people misread it or people who with higher level of sophistications um, perhaps in self-defense saw this and were basically like this guy's a meme. Yeah. And I mean, you can call it, I mean, I think authenticity is just like you said, it's being your true self because the reality is, is especially as you're a small business, you are the face of your brand. And so you have to be your true self, which is going to be a reflection in your brand because the thing about it is, the things that you, your personality quirks and the things that make you, you are going to eventually be translated into your brand or your systems until you maybe need, feel like you need to change if you, if you need to. But I mean, this is why like people like Gary V so popular is because he's just true to himself. This is how I am. So this is how I'm going to build my brand on how I am. So everything works around his personality and you have to be true to that. And that's really where the authenticity is. It's like, if you're not going to go and, you know, put on a show and then later on, you know, you know, what, what it, like you have, you know, bums in the street or, you know, homeless ones. And, you know, they're pretending like they're homeless. You know, I remember, actually, I remember like clear as day, you know, this one, where he was on a corner asking for change, saying that he was a, he just got back from being deployed and he's out of work, you know, full fatigue, uniform, you know, marching at attention back and forth, looking for a change. And then when that didn't work, all of a sudden he's the lame veteran, you know, you can, you caught those things and you catch them and it's curtains. You know, he's not going to get a dime from me out of sympathy or anything. 
And it's the same thing with your business. You know, you have to be true to yourself all around. And if you're not, people are going to catch it and it's going to then affect, you know, your business. Yeah. And so this comes into the planning piece. So here's where actually you can think about perception, I think, in the planning of your business, which is that, okay, how do I want to be perceived? Yeah. And then um, does what I'm presenting match that perception? That, yeah, that's, so then, that's so what then, it is. If there's a misalignment between how you're presenting and how you want to be perceived, you have two options. You change your strategy and to match what you're actually presenting or you try to bring your what you're offering into alignment the other way around with how you want to be perceived the problem with that is is that if it's not really if it's not really an honest um if it's not really an honest attempt to realign yourself then you're going to find yourself um not being able to maintain that for a long period of time I think to cut across all of that, it's you focus on what your how your clients perceive you, because they're the ones who do business with you. That's where the rubber hits the road. When you find out how, because you have your perception, how I'm being perceived, how I come across, and then you have how your clients come across. Now, a brand that is successful merges those two together. And you have to make sure that they are merged. But if they're not, then that's where the problem is. But to cut across all that before you even think about how you want to present yourself and be perceived, it's better to see, well, how am I being perceived? Because the reality is, is that just like Marty was talking about, there's your brand occupies a, a, sp a specific place in their mind. When they say, I want this feeling, I want this product, I want this service, I'm going to go to this brand. Mm -hmm. You cannot change what's in their head. All you can do is find out what it is, accept it, and enforce it through your branding, through your positioning, through the perceptions that you put out there. Now, if you do want to change it, well, now you're going to have to occupy a new place in their head and make sure that they're putting you there. But that's much harder to do. And Yeah, and that is... Um the result of that could be that you actually destroy your company by yeah. um, trying to maneuver. Um, and here's the other thing too, is sometimes maneuvering too quickly can kill you too. You know, I think it's a, it, it, like maneuvering your brand perception in the marketplace requires like razor edge precision. It's like landing a airplane on an aircraft carrier because like, you know, people can think you're being dishonest and that that you're willfully manipulating them uh, for money. Let's continue but it's they're making it they're creating it and so in a sense when you create a brand you're not creating one brand you're creating millions of brands like however many customers or people in your audience each one has a different brand of you so a brand is like a reputation right so it's your business reputation and everyone's going to be a little bit different about what that reputation is and that's okay as long as you have a you've got a corralled mostly where you want it and that it's beneficial to the company so um we tend to look at companies and, and designers uh, tend to look at branding as from our point of view, like we're, this is something we're doing. We're telling a story We're we're making a claim We're you know, we're making a pitch. Uh, 
and and that's what we do, but that's not what a brand is. A brand is the result of that. And if you don't start there, you don't know what you're doing. You actually don't know it. You you think you know what you're doing, but you you don't. So from a, from a designer's point of view, I mean, I always tended to be this way. It's like I just had a it was my gut feeling, right, about whether this is going to work or not, and then I would sell it as hard as I could to get the client to sign off on it. Um, from the client's point of view, they're going, well, it's a checklist. I got the, you know, I got the logo, I got the, uh, got the tagline, I got the ad campaign, click, check, check, and they think they're done. Right. None of that's right. You know, mm -hmm. what's right is what happens in people's heads. Like, what are we achieved? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the reputation that we've created through, uh, the products we're putting out, like in the design of the products, the messaging we're putting out, the look and feel of them. Uh, our culture, you know, how does that affect people? How our how our employees behave, you know, how's that affecting um, our reputation? All that stuff counts. So it's a big world, and it actually uh, takes in almost all of business. Not so much finance, but finance is involved too, because finance has to greenlight all these things. But uh, almost everybody in a in a company is you know affecting the brand, doing something with the brand, doing it for the brand, or hurting the brand. So. You, you, you got to think of it that way. This is something that um, is mentioned on or in, um, I should say, um, Ignore Your Customers and They'll Go Away, that book by Micah Solomon. And it talks about, the, the, the book is about primarily customer service systems to help you level up your business. Um, but the point is that they make, that Micah makes in the book is, that everyone should speak the same customer service language and your mantra for customer service should be everywhere. So for instance, if your mantra is, you know, um, respect, um, retention and reinforce or whatever, then that should be on your walls and the break rooms everywhere you go. Because really as a business owner, you have to manage two brand perceptions. One is your customer and one is your employees. Because yep. the, the brand is actually an ecosystem. Um, yeah. And everyone who touches it is involved in that ecosystem. And how do they feel about that? Um, yeah, so anything there that he said that you disagree with or you that uh, you'd, you'd want to reinforce? I'd reinforce the, the reputation aspect because that boils down to what is the culture on the back end you know, your business systems, your employees, how you're training them, um, how you're even hiring them, you know, do they fit the characteristics that your brand puts out the reputation, those characteristics contribute to the reputation that you have, you know, do they fit those, you know, you don't want to hire somebody that if your brand is about creating orderly systems, you think about like uh, the container store, you know, that's about keeping things organized, nice, clean, aesthetically sound. And you hire somebody who's disheveled and they come right. in every day and they're they're just completely unkept. Well, that's going to put out the complete different message. So on the back end, you have to make sure that your culture, that you're bringing in people that capture what the brand is about. And then on the front end where you're dealing with the clients, you're continuing to survey them to make sure that what I'm putting out there, the reputation that we have is a reputation that you think we're putting out there. And if it is, everybody's happy. 
if it's not, well, then you have some work to do. So it's definitely very, very important. You have to really look at the, those nuances. You know, how is this system going to contribute to the reputation that we have? Is it or is it not? And that's and, it, and that actually where makes that's where the power of the brand comes in on a financial aspect, mm-hmm. because you're going to get people that are going to pitch you. Like I remember um, people pitching me left and right about advertising on Facebook. But at the time, every time I talked to a family who would call us at Cherish Keepsakes and I'd say, how did you find us? How did you find us? Majority of the time it was I did a Google search. I was I found you on Google. So when I thought about that and because Google is, you know, an immediate decision, whereas Facebook is you see it over and over and over again and eventually you'll buy. Mm -hmm. So when someone said, I want I want to advertise your business on Facebook because other people are there. I turned it down right away and said, no, because that's not how people find us. And that's where the brand and knowing the brand, knowing the perceptions and making sure they align actually saved me money. And that's what, you know, the power that brand has on a financial standpoint, you know, it will definitely scale you faster and, you know, make you money and save you money too. You know, it's, I think that one of the reasons, so there's a big undereducation, undercapitalization issue. And as some of the firm reasons why small business owners or small businesses fail at a significant rate and clip in time in business. I think that there's another issue though that is not spoken about when it comes to this, which is the comprehensive work to make a business a viable business and brand is immense. Like you have to um, think about an ecosystem. It really is an ecosystem and a web of systems and processes it is what it is not is an instagram story with money and lamborghinis and selfies with celebrities it is a newborn baby it is crying at three in the morning changing a diaper it is getting pooped on and then cleaning up and then getting pooped on again right it's sitting on the bathroom floor when they're stuffy with the shower running, like everyone else, I call it, I call it beautiful baby syndrome. People want to be in business because the baby looks so cute with its wrapping and it's because when it's in public, it has the baby powder on, it smells nice. It looks like a baby, the little toes, so cute. Everything's bundled up. But in order to get out of the house in the morning, the mom or dad had to basically nearly contemplate like walking into traffic because they were so stressed out getting that baby out of the house. Yeah. There's so there's so many levels of complexity and um and work to make it the business publicly viable where people want to repeatedly patronize it. And um not to use too much alliteration, but the point is is that you know I feel like that the amount of work that's often involved. So we have books that talk about like E-Myth that talks about the systems and processes. That's the most comprehensive book about business organization and strategy. However, what that book doesn't talk about and other small business books that, that suss out aspects of running businesses or successful businesses don't talk about is 
how to go from the conception and of what you want to do and make it a reality. There's a gap, right, in learning between, uh, oh, I want to leave work because I hate my boss and start this business because I have this this brand that's beautiful and all this other stuff. And, and the reality, right, it's the beautiful baby syndrome kind of kicks in and then people just, um, they don't realize the intensity of the amount of work and the amount of things that they're missing. So sometimes you can go like two years and not realize that there's five steps that you missed and you need to build a whole ecosystem over here and it's distracting from what you currently want to do. This is the reality of business. And yeah, so, I mean, so for branding, when you can simplify these interactions and processes for people when they interact with your business, that's really what I believe. You know, I always say, make it easy for people to do business with you and they will, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's not stressful. I would say, I mean, just to really take your beautiful baby syndrome and go deeper on that. So everybody sees, you know, the beautiful baby. But in order for the parent to get those responses, oh, your baby's so beautiful. Well, then they have to, behind the scenes, you know, be changing the diapers, doing their hair, you know, going to the stores to get the better product, you know, the better clothing and different things like that. Maybe they're doing research on what other parents are doing and, you know, all that back work stuff to produce the end result. Well, it's the same with your business. If you want everyone to really fall in love with your business and want to do business with you on a regular basis, well, you have to do all the back end stuff to produce that front end result. And a lot of people, like you said, they don't realize how much back end work it takes to produce the front end result, but it takes a lot of work. And when you get to, you're going to end up, you don't do it, but you're forced to do it when you get to a certain point. And that point is the stopping point of your growth. You're, you'll find a point where you can't get past. You're trying to reach a certain income level or you know revenue level. You're trying to reach a certain clientele and they are just shutting the door on you. And in some cases, maybe even just slamming the door. Well, it's because the back end stuff that you you don't have an, you don't have the back end stuff to match the front end result that you want to put out there. And then now you're going to have to bring them both together to make sure both the back end and the front end are there. And then the door gets open to you. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You know, when I, when I realized that I wanted to franchise my uh, my fitness concept, um, you know, the work that went into that, you know, you know, there were some there were some events that happened that kind of uh, precipitated my necessity to rebrand. And so it was not just like, oh, I like triangles, you know, let me do this. It's It was focus groups of people who are actively paying. Would you want to patronize a place with this name? How do you feel about, it was really, so the primary question is how do you feel about a business with this name? That was the question I asked. Like what comes to mind when you think about this? And, you know, and we had a few iterations, you and I, when we were working together with that focus group, Mm -hmm. And um, there were interest. There was good, interesting feedback, but it was all gut feedback. Um, and, and that comprehensive work that went into just finding a brand name for a franchise that will become national, um, and then hopefully international, is something that takes an minute. It took twenty years. That that's how I see it. Because it's it's not a. It wasn't like an overnight thing. This is like twenty years of work. Yeah. Um, Fifteen years of us working together on the brand to make it work. 
So when a person yeah, says, yeah. oh, I want this brand that's going to be this X, Y, or Z, it's like, okay, but are you willing to put in a ton of work to make a brand look, you know, to make a brand feel right to the public, right? To, to mm-hmm. make your, a brand feel like it's, you know, um, that you've captured the minds and the hearts, essentially, of the people who are patronizing you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely does. And I think a lot of the approaches that I would take in my branding, because, you know, most of the time I was working with um, small businesses, sometimes startups, but they were trying to get to a certain point, you know, but then they had that local, that small mindset. And, you know, my approach was always, I'm going to build you a brand that when your mindset is ready to take your take you to a level beyond local to a national or international stage, your brand is going to be there already and look like you want it to look. Um, but it is a change of mindset. It is a change of thought and approach. You know, so ex- like you said, I mean, you're trying to build a franchise. There's certain things that you just can't do right away that you can do locally. You know, you might just you could just go and start locally and just open up a shop and not have anything that's strong and you might get some business, but eventually you'll have to really build and reinforce and do the things that you need to do to, to shore up your brand. Right. But if you're building a national franchise, you have to be that from the start, from the foundation. So it's a completely different set of disciplines and thought process that you have to do. Well, because your brand at that level is, so it's everything. It's so important to um, why people do business with you. Yes, but there's other considerations now. The people are going to spend their life savings doing business with you and and opening up your concept, whatever it is, in the franchise world. You you simply cannot just wing it. You have to be able to defend it. Um, yeah. And and you and you need to defend it if someone is coming close to violating um, because it's other people's money and it devalues their business for you to just kind of be hanging out there. So, um, so how do you, so, uh, you know, I just thought about this actually. Um, I thought about your business, which is that, so, so in your cherished keepsake business, you're doing Memorial keepsakes, but that's kind of like personal branding of it, the person's life right there. Right. Absolutely. Do you consider that personal branding? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why we have, you know, the following that we have is because, you know, our whole slogan with Cherish Keepsakes is honoring legacies. You know, in the industry, there's a lot of generic designs and, you know, people kind of squeezing the loved one into something that's already pre-designed, pre-templated. Now, for us to have the systems that we need to deliver on a fast pace, we have to pre-design ours, but the flexibility that we have is the level of personalization we can put into it. And we actually build our designs with the loved one in mind. So sometimes, uh, like I can think about one funeral home, you know, one of our largest clients, and he had said to me, I want you to do something special for, for this person. And he was, he was like a mentor to me. He helped me in this industry. And, you know, I've lo- I love them dearly. And, you know, we're going to be taking care of his arrangements, but I, I don't want the regular things that you guys do. I want something special. And I said, okay, you know, send over everything. And when I looked at the cover picture, he said, this is the picture we're going to use for the cover. You know, he had his hands out like this. And 
it just said to me, like, he was like, I'm here. Tada, I'm here. You know, I'm the star of the show. And he just had this, you know, over the top personality that I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. And I did something that highlighted that and made him the main focus. And the family was floored. I mean, the the wife, she couldn't even she couldn't even talk. So her, her son had to do all the talking. She said, you have captured him. And so that's really what gives us our edge is that we produce designs that capture the loved one and capture what they've put out, you know, their brand, their reputation. And so we have a, you know, that's why we have a variety of different designs that can do that. And then we can go a step further by personalizing it. But so how does it, it is personal home, brand for sure. How does the funeral home brand themselves? Because like, you know, we talk about branding and then everyone can do it. And we only have a couple more minutes left, but um, like, how does a funeral home actually brand themselves? Because like, it's all the same to people. It <laughs> is all the, in the die, sense it is all the same. The box or a vase. Yeah. Uh, and there's pictures there. Like how, how, you know, because it's not like the person's getting care in the sense that they're in a hospital, right? And there's there's quantitative levels of care um, that, from customer service to actual deployment of medicine, you know, you can you can chart a whole patient experience. Um, how can like how does a, a funeral home brand themselves? Because you talk about funeral home branding, but what is is it just how they talk to the parties that come in, like? What, no, how do, no. How, does, it's, how do they it's, differentiate themselves? Well, the same thing you said with, with the person in hospital. There's certain things that have to be done at certain stages to make sure their care is proper. Well, it's the same thing when you're planning a funeral service. There's certain things that need to be done. Now, the funeral homes that understand all those things and help the families through it, the best are the ones that stand out. But on top of that, you know, families are going to want to honor their loved ones a specific way. And now in the funeral industry, you have certain funeral homes that can lean into those. You know, some might do want to do an over the top service. You know, some just say, you know what? You know, he was a simple man. He just wanted to be cremated. I just want to cremate him. And then, you know, we're going to, you know, be on our way. You know, there are funeral homes that specialize in that. So it's how that loved one wants to be honored, how that memory wants to be preserved you can build your brand around that and the experience and helping a funeral and helping a family through that process. Cause there really is a lot involved and it's such a taboo subject, but the more a funeral home spends on education or now that we talk about it through content marketing, which is that education, then people are going to go to whomever has made this process easier for them. And then they'll go back again and again. And that's when you have families that will use the same funeral home for generations because they've delivered that same experience every single time. Well, because that's really what it is, right? Things. Like someone dies, nobody knows exactly what to do. I mean, there's no real handbook to, you know, what happens when someone dies. It's just like, do I call the police or the fire department or the funeral home, right? Yeah. Like no one really yeah. knows exactly who to call. And then after that, they don't know exactly how to organize a service. So basically... A funeral Whoever lifts the veil off of that is the one that's going to get the business. Right, right. And like if they can make that process, if they can make that process both easy and um, 
because they have to have a tremendous amount of patience, right? Because the people are highly emotional. Um, oh, yeah. And if one thing is wrong, then everything is wrong, you know, potentially. Yep. Um, and it can go really, really crazy. But, you know, that I guess just kind of proves that any business can have a specific brand. Um, and there it's true because you think about certain funeral homes. So we live in Massachusetts um, and, you know, you're in uh, North Carolina now, uh, but you lived here, too. And when you say the name of a specific funeral home or, you know, a business, whatever you, there is a reputation associated with having dealt with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you, it can go to so many different levels and nuances. Like, I mean, I think back, back in Boston, back in Massachusetts, you know, you had funeral homes that would serve specific cultures. So like, if I get a call and, that person is of a particular race or particular culture, I almost always know which funeral home has served them because they've leaned into that and they've become mm -hmm. the person that in this community, when this loved one dies, we're going to this funeral home. And there's a couple of those. And then, I mean, even down here, um, you have, you know, the black funeral home, you have the white funeral home, you have the, the inclusive funeral home, and then you have the cremation service, you know, who are the specialists who just do cremation only, you know, and none of those things. And it's not really a race thing. It really isn't. It's just people want to do business with whom they feel most comfortable with. You know, you can still serve everyone and, and there's always crossover even in those perceptions. But whom you primarily serve is whom you need to lean into with your brand. Well, that's it. I mean, I think that, you know, scientifically and, you know, I'm not necessarily qualified to talk about this, but I kind of study human behavior a lot. And, you know, we all have an in-group preference in general ourselves, but, you know, and I'm sure that the funeral home um, kind of perpetuates that piece in their marketing, which is fine. It's a fine thing to do if that's your brand, as long as you understand it and people feel comfortable with that, you just have to kind of, um, kind of do, you know, that's kind of how you have to live. And, and people want to, you know, the, the, the point is, is that this is the last opportunity that someone has because they died to you know, to represent them in a certain way. And so it's a very important way to do that. Um, so I, I just, I just find that interesting. George yeah. will find you if they want to learn more about branding. Well, definitely through Caesar brand, you know, while most of it is geared towards those in the funeral industry, I'm a very big proponent of principles because principles are universally applicable. So even if you might hear me talking about it and applying it in the funeral industry, you know, look at the principle and apply the principle to your business. Mm -hmm. um, that's very important. And so, you know, Caesar brand on Facebook, you know, we do have Instagram, but most of the time we're active on Facebook because just like, you know, you have to go where your clients are. And most of our our clients, you know, are those in the funeral industry. Most of them are active on Facebook. So that's where we're most active. On uh, so seize the brand on Facebook, cherish keepsakes on Facebook, and then me, George, Paul the third, you'll be able to find me all there. Awesome. Um, and this um episode will be uh, there will be an audio version of this. It will be on, it's obviously live on the YouTube channel, um, on Facebook, but this will be all over the place as well. Um, and you'll be able to share it or replay it to your desire. But we, you know, today we talked about impacting brand. We we had talked about privately and i have one minute to get to my next um interview about doing a a monthly branding thing so we're going to try that 
It may end up being like a month, month and a half-ish or whatever, but we're going to have you on a regular basis because branding is one of those topics that you have to continually address in specific specific segments of branding and how to work on that. And I think for small business owners, it's important for them to understand exactly the things to focus on to accomplish your brand. So what I want to talk about next time is, is the playbook to understanding what what kind of brand you are or you want to be. I think that is important, you know, because yeah. a lot of people don't even know how to like structure that. But I think that yeah. we can tap into the mindset of creating that. I think that would be an important thing to actually know. So um, anyways, um, thank you for joining me today. George Appreciate told you where you can find us. Don't forget if you're watching this on YouTube to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get you get pinged when we have new content available. Um, also, don't forget to go to www.thecommonsensepodcast.com. Um, if you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you get your, your podcast on, um, then subscribe for crying out loud so that we can get the content um, for you. George, uh, we, we will uh, obviously let the people know when we're going to actually um, do another one, but it will be on the mindset of creating this brand and those steps to do that. Um, and we'll schedule that and, uh, looking forward to having people, uh, having you back on so we can discuss that aspect and, um, helping people to, uh, to, who are trying to scale their business to understand what it takes to create a successful brand. Sounds good. All right. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot. And see ya. Bye. Bye.